que mañana cuando escuchen a mi poesía Que la luz de estas palabritas siembra y brote unas semillas Y que sean de amor, de creatividad y de familia Con raíces profundas que levantan el mundo como el sol de un nuevo día That was Rico Paón with Imagínate, and this is Aurora Levens Morales. Welcome to Letters from Earth. Today's episode is Picking Raspberries. Bug Hill Farm is a lovely expanse of forest paths lined with elder, blueberry, currant, gooseberry, and aronia bushes and tangles of blackberry vines on high ground above the town of Ashfield, Massachusetts. There are also two large greenhouses, plastic sheeting stretched over high arching frames, sheltering rows of raspberries, zinnias, and aromatic patches of anise hyssop. Last August, during the month that I lived there, each time the stresses of adapting to my new tiny home, organizing storage and paperwork, and solving technical issues got to me, I'd offer to pick fruit. I'd move slowly down the rows, lifting leaves to find ripe berries hidden from first glance, while hummingbirds, dragonflies, and bees moved around me in the air. Done like this, at my own pace, on no one's clock, without inhaling or touching pesticides, just because I want to, I can immerse myself in the primal experience of harvest, inhale the scent of ripening berries, enjoy the satisfying thump as they land in my little bucket, and stop whenever I'm ready to do something else. But one day, driving the now familiar country roads between small towns, I passed a dozen indigenous-looking Latino men, bent double over the already flattened fields, picking yellow squashes. I wanted to pull over and ask them if we could speak after their workday was done, but I was late for an appointment, and the next time I passed they were gone, moved on to another low-wage, back-breaking job somewhere in this idyllic landscape. I spent last summer moving up and down a rich terrain at the eastern edges of the Massachusetts Berkshires and New York's Hudson Valley. Lush fields and forests sparkling with streams, wide rivers, still lakes, among which nest projects like Bug Hill, or an hour and a half northwest of there, Soulfire Farm, which works to reclaim our collective right to belong to the earth and have agency in our food. Soulfire offers education projects including the Black and Latino Farmers Immersion Program, which teaches new farmers basic skills in hand-scale agriculture and whole foods preparation in a way that supports their existing cultural knowledge and ways of doing things. I spent a wonderful day there at a gathering of Harriet's Apothecary, a kind of pop-up healing fair of mind, body, spirit, ecosystem healing practices by and for indigenous people and people of color. Farther south in the New York town of Millerton, right on the Connecticut border, there's an impressive cluster of inspiring projects. The Watershed Center, a retreat and resource center for changemakers in the service of democracy, ecology, and liberation. Linkeflegel, Yiddish for a literal left wing, a food justice-oriented Jewish chicken farm, and Wildseed, where a collective of people of color are crafting a center for healing, farming, learning, art-making, and various kinds of social justice work 
on a hundred and eighty acres of fertile river valley land. A few minutes away, Isabella Friedman, a Jewish retreat center, runs programs in organic agriculture and sustainable living skills, Jewish learning, and the cultivation of leaders and communities. But these are islands in a sea of GM corn and soy, bred to survive regular sprayings with glyphosate, brand name Roundup, which is linked to multiple kinds of cancer. GM crops also spread their patented infertile pollen, rendering nearby plants sterile on behalf of Monsanto Corporation, which has just merged with Bayer in a joint effort to privatize all the food on earth. Monsanto, named for the Puerto Rican wife of its founder, owns tracts of land all over the world, including the south coast of Puerto Rico where it began growing GM seeds years before it was licensed to do so, and vast stretches of Paraguay where repression of labor organizing and the seizure of indigenous lands are violently enforced with impunity. GM crops are also bestowed as food aid on the Maasai people of southern Kenya and northern Tanzania, financed by the U.S. government. The program subsidizes U.S. agribusiness and undermines the development of culturally and ecologically appropriate farming adapted to East African conditions, leads to a less diversified diet, and experiments with people's health, testing their tolerance to GM foods without their informed consent. In Hungary, which recently burned all its GM crops, farmers were also denied informed consent. Many discovered they'd been planting GM seeds without knowing it. Monsanto, having patented its seeds, sues anyone who interrupts the profit stream. Pollen drifting across fences into neighboring farms enters the gene pool of non-GM plants, and Monsanto then claims a fee for unauthorized use of their product. Northeast of Bug Hill, Vermont is fighting Monsanto in the courts for the right to even label GM crops so people can choose what they eat. GM pollen isn't the only thing that drifts across fences. Recent studies show that glyphosate also crosses boundaries and has entered everybody's bodies, sowing who knows what future crops of illness. I walk with Diana Warwin of Wild Seed to a rise overlooking their fields, and she points to the place where their current tenant's GM corn begins. A fallow field buffers their gardens from the genetically altered ears, a short-term measure while they build their dream of restoration and long-term sustainability. Here in Millerton, it's all corn and cattle. Two hours north, the cornfields are smaller, interspersed with patches of pumpkins and pale squashes, apple orchards, and ripening tomatoes. But to the northwest, past Sulfire Farm and on into upstate New York, farming is losing ground to prison construction, and people who used to grow food work in service to mass incarceration. New York has over 50 prisons holding 77,000 people. Many of the people in prison behind those high walls come from seven food desert neighborhoods in New York City, places where you can't buy fresh produce, even the genetically modified kind, but only fast foods, processed snacks, and liquor. Jalal Sabur is one of the core members of Wild Seed and a founder of the Freedom Food Alliance. The alliance uses a vegetable oil-fueled bus to take urban families to visit loved ones in rural prisons and offers them access to CSA boxes of fresh produce, which they can share with incarcerated relatives or take home to the nutrient-barren streets where they live. 
The Victory Bus Project engages these communities in learning about food sovereignty and the prison industrial complex and organizing for a rural economy built around small farms instead of prisons. The Alliance also teaches young people to reconnect with land and food and offers a restorative justice option through Soul Fire Farm and Friends of Brook Farm, where those facing imprisonment can work off their time on farms instead. Everywhere I go, this is what I see. Life pushing back against profit, the drive for profit threatening life. This well-watered, fertile landscape with its leafy roads and lovely creeks and ponds, fresh air and sweet raspberries ripening in the sun, is also a place of intense struggle over the future of food, which is the future of human life on Earth. Imagine, imagine.